Welcome to the Sellernomics Podcast, where we share valuable tips and information in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Each week, we deliver the best interviews with some of the top Amazon personalities in the industry to help you grow your business. Today's episode is brought to you by Gatita, the global leader in FBA auditing and reimbursements. Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics. And now, here are your hosts, Rob Stanley and Lisa Kinski. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of Sellernomics. My name is Lisa Kinski. I'm joined by my co-host, Rob Stanley. And if you guys are listening to us just on your favorite audio podcasting platform, be sure to head over to our YouTube channel. Gatita has rebranded. We've got great new visuals, awesome new intro video for you guys. So be sure to check us out. Um, so let's just get straight to it. So we've got today with us Chris Shipperling. He is one of the founding partners of GW Partners, and we're going to be talking all about insights for Amazon sellers and really navigating the current business landscape. So let's bring him on board. Chris, how are you? Hey, doing well. How are the both of you? Doing good, fabulously. Yeah. <laughs> a good Tuesday so far? Yeah, it's been a great Tuesday always so far. Always, <laughs> always, always good at Katita. Um, it's been, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks leading up to the rebrand. Of course, when this comes out, it'll be a little oh, more, um, a little more familiar. The rebrand will be out. It's been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went through one of those. I was in the tail end of it, but I, I, when I came on to Evenflow back in 2010, I came in right in the middle of the rebrand and oh, it was, it was, it was chaotic to say the least. Um, so I know, I know what you went through in terms of just getting there in the timeline and delays and et cetera, that probably occurred. It's not fun, but the result is a lot of fun because everything looks great. The new logo looks good. Everything looks good. It's all, it's all enhanced. I like it a lot. Two thumbs up for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So anybody who's listening, head on over to getita.com, check out the new logo, the new look and feel new website. Everything looks awesome. Super happy with it. We also uh, kind of introduced the new Sellernomics uh, logo, also. But look, that's why not—that's not why everybody's here. They want to hear about Chris. He's got some great insights uh, for Amazon sellers on kind of the current state of what's going on with uh, you know people looking to sell their business. And Chris, you know, one thing I wanted to kind of ask is there was these crazy, crazy multiples out there. Mm-hmm. Those have kind of gone away. I'm sure there's still a few here and there. Let's talk about that a little bit. Like what is, if somebody's interested in selling their Amazon business, kind of what can they expect right now? What is sort of the process and what can they expect to get on a multiple? Yeah, I mean, look, and I'm sure your audience and both of you have kind of heard what's what's been happening. You've heard whether it's through whisper discussions or just, you know, uh, other other folks in the space just coming out, other sellers coming out and just kind of saying what's happening, what's going on. But Look, we've kind of had a reversion back to pre-pandemic. That's really what's happening. You know, you had Amazon, Amazon-based businesses that were much smaller back then. They did grow through the pandemic, so that's that's a little bit of a different dynamic, which we'll get into in just a moment. But you know, yet so you have kind of pre-pandemic. They were smaller sellers, but a lot of those deals got done through SBA loans. I mean, and frankly speaking, multiples in that world, which really is more like Main Street, uh, it's just lower period and a lot of that has to do with the underwriting that goes through um that you have to go through with the sba in particular and an underwriter who actually 
you know, sends your sends your business off to a to get a official valuation. And in fact, most times, actually, those people doing that, they don't really understand e-com. So the comps will come back and multiples will be quite low. I talked to a guy just yesterday or two days ago um, who is going through an SBA process, just a friend I was giving some advice to. He looking to buy an e-commerce. He's actually looking to do a management buyout for an e-commerce business. And they were like, he was like, dude, they valued my this company at a 1.5 multiple. And I'm like, yeah, it's because they don't really understand it. You got to go and you got to talk to the underwriter, et cetera. So anyways, that's kind of where we're headed. It's not, we're not headed back to one, 1 1.5 multiples. At that point, you just shouldn't even sell the company and just take cash flow. But we are headed back to that three to three and a half on average. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Number one, you're still just in small business world. I mean, that's the typical multiples that you would find and call it just small business world period. Like for the past decade, if you look at any businesses that were sold through like a biz buy sell or a biz quest that was a traditional business, you know, you're still talking only two and a half to three and a half, four multiples. That's it. Um, and so Amazon sellers who are thinking about selling their business and have a company that's of a revenue size, you know, two, three, four, five million, um, there are still aggregators purchasing companies. So they're still out there. Um, they have, there are some MA and corporate desks or MA desks that are still active and busy and they want to, they want to put their dry, their dry powder to work. They want to put their capital to work. But look, after talking to several of them over the past, you know, several weeks, yeah, the, 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 the party of six, seven multiples is just, it's just over. If you're all, if you, if you have all Amazon concentration, like 100%, Yes, anybody can anybody could come up to you and me, all of us, and say, Yeah, but I've got this one friend who got a this and they were told this, and it's <laughs> total outlier. We all know it. That's probably doesn't isn't even real. Someone may have even lied to you. Um, and and that's just not what's happening. You know, you gotta look at the mean, you gotta look at the average of what's really going on. And what's really going on is we have a reversion back to call it pre-pandemic days. You know, more things are getting done through SBA um, and you don't have, unfortunately, private equity. Private equity just isn't fully comfortable with an all Amazon channel, full concentration risk. They just aren't. I've got some good friends of mine who run a healthcare focused middle market investment bank. They do a lot of work in that 200 to 1 billion kind of range, uh, selling a lot of pharma companies. Um, that's a whole other story. They're, they're kind of watering whole friends. And uh, what's what's really funny about that, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this, the struggles they go through at 250 million and 1 billion are the same struggles we go through at 10 million or 7 million, 15 million. It doesn't really change. That's the funny part. But we were actually on the subject. They do get a lot of supplements, you know, vitamins, nutraceutical companies contacting them to want to sell their business because they've got a reputation. I mean, they know the Unilever corporate development desk very well. They know the P&G desk. They know, you know, a large amount of consumer product in private equity focused consumer product companies that are looking for, you know, potential nutraceutical companies, et cetera. And that from their own mouth, I mean, they said, if it's, if anything comes across our desk and it's e-com specifically all Amazon, there's just, it, there's just not, there's too much channel risk and there's just not enough IP intellectual property or moat to put it in front of someone that strategic and get them to go, yeah, I want to buy it. I really, I am very interested. And those are the types of desks that pay the high multiples. 
Now, what you are hearing is a private equity fund, two, three, four people. They pulled together some cash. They're not necessarily operating like an aggregator because that business model is very different than private equity. But they pulled some cash and they're looking to invest inside of e-commerce. And they may be active in wanting to buy and feel more comfortable buying an all Amazon concentrated business. But again, you're just still talking about a smaller pool. You're not talking about the same run up that we just had of 100 M&A desks looking to put cheap debt to work. That's effectively what happened. They were fine paying six, seven multiple because they were getting this debt for cheap, very, very cheap. <laughs> And so Chris, is, is that affecting it though? Like, I mean, this higher interest rate, is it really, a, is that what causing some of this less multiple because yeah. the money's not there? So, yeah, I mean, look, look at the way they raise cash, right? I mean, let's just take CoVenture for, for instance, you know, when CoVenture invested in a lot of these companies, um, some companies you're starting to see in the news now, but when they invested, it was a large portion of debt and that, that debt was more expensive than even debt that you and I as consumers were getting at the time. Um, but interest rates, 100% drove it up. They've got to go get that debt from somewhere. Um, and everybody works on interest and everything tends to tie back to the interest rate. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, now that debt has gone up uh, or interest rates have gone up, I mean, SBA loans are running at like 10, 10, 11%. Those are that's SBA loans. I mean, those traditionally have been, the cheapest way to purchase it to, to acquire a business. And those, I mean, they come with 10 year terms or seven year terms. I mean, there's, there's terms that are, are quite friendly, but at the same time, that's expensive. You know, when I was talking to this friend, even he was looking to, to take out about a million dollar uh, SBA loan. And I mean, his P and I per month, good grief, man. I was, I told him, I was like, you better feel really confident, <laughs> like really confident. You're going to be able to just sit in the captain's chair and just full on scale this business because otherwise you are anchoring the company with some 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 real debt. It's the same way that that these Amazon businesses were acquired through through aggregators. It was through mainly it was a it was a debt provider that provided the acquisition debt, and it was didn't it, it's gone up. Period. <laughs> There's yeah. no other way to slice it. So, you know, not a lot of equity, quote unquote, is really in this market and lower middle market, not a lot of equity is deployed um, into these, into these companies. So a lot of it was done with debt, but also <laughs> I'll stop the rabbit trail here, but mainly because they were trying to arbitrage as well. They were trying to arbitrage purchasing these companies and they didn't mind the, at the time cheap debt. And even when they were modeling, Hey, we don't mind if it goes even more expensive because all their models led to an IPO. Most of the, most of their models. Mm where they were arbitraging multiple and saying, hey, all of this doesn't matter because in our PowerPoint, we're gonna hit IPO and then we're gonna be at a 33 times multiple, you know, 35 times multiple. And we got our golden wow. parachute. No parachutes have been deployed yet. <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you explained that because in my mind, you know, the aggregators were so big, I mean, two, three years ago, right? And it seems like, okay, if you have all this money to buy these successful brands, and then you can simplify their supply chains, or, you know, there's power in numbers, you know, use that volumetric purchasing to make them even more successful, you would, in theory, have more money that you can then use to buy more businesses, but it just seems like they've all kind of faded into the sunset. And that was, that was always kind of really confusing to me. Like, where did they go? 
Well, there's a couple things that happen, and a, a few a few bullet points I'm about to say are already very public. Lots of people are saying this, and then there's a few other bullet points that I have not heard a lot of people say, and I think it's the actual, I think it's the actual catalyst of what happened in in terms of some of the breakdown that occurred. But um, look, you didn't have net, you didn't have operators operating the companies. That's more of the public knowledge, right? You hear that a lot. Well, you know, you got rid of the person who was the superstar. The person who was the hustler, you know, if they didn't make the sale, food didn't go on their table. So that's a much different mentality than a two years out of business school brand manager who's now trying to run an Amazon business and doesn't even know how to log into Seller Central. I'm being egregious, but for for dramatic effect. Right. So that's kind of number one. You, you got rid of the thing that really was the DNA and heart and soul of the company. Flipping that over to a private equity model, that's typically what private equity does. They don't want to operate. They want to keep operating teams in place. That's actually why you get more multiple because you have good infrastructure. So you have good people, you have good team. They want to keep that team in place. Or, you know, like in our case, when I when I worked, when I went to Evenflow, which was probably, they were owned by Weston Presidio, which is a huge private equity fund. They were placing some of their own people like my ceo at the time was the guy who ran ben and jerry's or turned it around he turned around atari and dove and like all these big 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 companies and they placed his name's periodak they placed him into the business to say hey you flipped all these other businesses we trust you you're our guy and they'll do some kind of regime change but typically it's with like high pedigree right mm -hmm. but 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 infrastructure matters so you've got now something where there's no the team that was in place is pretty much gone so that was one thing. I mean, you know, you nailed a point there where your assumption was, hey, you know, we're going to effectively scale and grow all of these and use that cash flow to go buy other things. The problem was there's no economies of scale in Amazon. Zero. So if I buy one businesses or I buy 10, it doesn't matter. Even if I bolt on that company, if I don't have good operational distribution, there's no economies of scale at all. And so typically the only leverage that you can get from an operational perspective is if I bought 10 pet businesses and I went to the, my manufacturer and I had 10 manufacturers and I consolidated into one. And then I go to that manufacturer and say, I'm going to consolidate everything into one, which by the way, that brings up a whole other suit of problems because that's a lot of risk <laughs> that you mm -hmm. don't want to be involved in. But at the same time, you know, bear with me as we go through this thread okay, now raw materials are going to cost me much less. And we can potentially, you know, kind of, we may have had two or three product development folks that were on these teams. I can now consolidate that into one product developer or a product development team. You know, I've got engineers that I can, I can kind of put into a team or a group. But that's about it. And when you think about, and when you think about the entire process from producing widget to selling widget on Amazon, well, if I if I combine one plus one, it doesn't equal three. That's the business phrase everybody likes to use. It's just one plus one equals two, and they're both very siloed. Like I can't leverage PPC for two brands. Like I can't do that unless I'm starting to consolidate listings, right? So like if I can put a bunch of product, if I can drive a ton of traffic, which is this D to C 101, if I can drive a ton of traffic to one listing, then my likelihood of getting more conversions out of that traffic is going to be very high versus me trying to drive a ton of traffic to say, hey, I'm going to drive you to my house. I really need you to purchase this house. It's I've got a lot of things you can purchase inside of this house, <laughs> you know, so that's that's another way. But that's not a thing like that's not a that doesn't happen. 
And so, um, so that was another issue. You had, you had economies of scale and look, I'm taking this from, I'm sure, you know, Adam Runquist. Um, it's, I just listened, he just put out a video, um, not promoting it or anything, but he just put out a video. And what's interesting when I listened to it was there were a lot of things he said that internally at our firm, we were talking about from pretty much day one, when the aggregators kind of said, this is our business model. You know, another thing that you never heard of, and you never really saw in any of these places. And my brother-in-law worked at one of the aggregators and he confirmed this there is no product development and when i say that i'm not egregious at all like hmm. you don't have product development teams when i worked in consumer products at the three companies i worked at one was you know one was 100 million one was half a billion the other one was 100 million even smaller companies in my industry product is king man you're in consumer products you're trying to sell a consumer a product <laughs> what do you, what should you focus on? Should I go and focus on hacks and trip tips and tricks and et cetera? Yeah, sure. As like maybe one part of my strategy, one little part of my strategy, but I should be heavily concerned with how do I develop a product that Lisa and Rob absolutely are delighted with and want to come back and purchase again and again and again, and then want to purchase my other stuff. That's where you win in every CPG company. If you went into Procter & Gamble tomorrow, you went into Unilever tomorrow, of course, they talk about the importance of marketing. They, they would talk about the importance of supply chain and they would leverage these things and say, hey, this is our secret sauce. But when you really got into it, it's the product development. Mm -hmm. That's their secret sauce. Absolutely. 100% that's their secret sauce. Now, beauty's different. That's a whole nuance, but still. <laughs> in most consumer products where you have innovation or it's brand heavy, it's still product is absolutely king. And you did not find that in a lot of these aggregators. And so unfortunately, you know, it's the melting ice cube analogy. Again, I'm stealing that from Adam, <laughs> full disclosure, but it really is like the ice cube melted. And, and when he said that, I was like, holy crap, that's exactly the best way to describe what's happening. Um, and yeah, so unfortunately, true. you had a lot of ice cubes melt all at the same time. And here we are. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's take a quick break here from our sponsor. When we come back, I want to talk more about the moat and what Amazon sellers can do. So we'll be back in just a second. Today's episode is brought to you by Gatita, the global leader in FBA auditing and reimbursements. Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics. All right, you guys head over to gatita.com forward slash sellernomics for the first 400 and FBA reimbursements free. We are back with Chris with GW Partners. So talking less about kind of the state of the state of the union, if you will, the landscape yeah. and going back to what you said before about Amazon sellers really needing to kind of create this moat, if I like you said, and because yeah. private equity is not super interested because it's one, it's still like young and weird, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a hard business to get excited about investing in because there's no like physical office. I feel like it's just very abstract. So talk to us about what they can do to make their business more attractive. Yeah. I mean, I think you got to start. And, wait, Chris, yeah. I want to add on top of that. Also what I, I love what Lisa just said, but also what is there any categories that are still kind of hot also? That'd be interesting to know. Yeah. Good question. I mean, look, when you, I mean, I'll, I'll answer the first, I'll answer Lisa's question, then I'll go right to yours, yep. Rob. So, you know, the long and short, what can you do? It goes back to that product. I mean, that's your IP. When you're a consumer products company, that is your IP, no question. And when you really take the time as, as, as again, 
it depends on business model. So if I'm just trying to cash flow, who cares? Everything I'm about to say, just throw it out the window. You just go develop as many products as you can, you know, run them up, make them die, run them up, make them die, run them up, make them die. I don't just find them all on Alibaba. So this is not your conversation <laughs> at all. The other conversation for someone who's going, hey, I want to develop a brand. I want to develop something that's strategic. And I do want to get that generational type, you know, wealth exit. I want to have a large exit. I want to, I want to do that. Okay, gotcha. Focus on your product. That's number one. You are a consumer products brand. Focus on, on, on making sure that the product is highly innovative in the category that you have chosen to play in. Spend time there. Design, industrial design, finding a good product development. I've got one. Anybody who's listening, I've got somebody who is within reach and very, very reasonable when it comes to budget, very budget friendly, I would say. But that's a place where you should be spending a lot of your time as a business owner or finding someone to spend a lot of time looking at your current product development, looking at your current innovation. Lisa, to your point, can I throw any utility patents on anything that I'm doing? Utility patents are very, very valuable. Uh, design patents are, you, you can design around, around them, sure. You can also design around utility patents, but that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but still having utility, having design, having patents on your product, more than just trademarks, just creates really good moat. It creates really, really good protection. And also you begin to start thinking about Amazon and I'm stealing from my friend, Ben Leonard, um, this phrase. So I'm, I'm giving all the references today to make sure I don't, I don't steal <laughs> stuff. If I get something good, I give all the credit, but um, you start to think of Amazon as a sales channel, as one sales channel. But when you've got really good product, it can live in a lot of different places. It can live in a lot of distribution, right? And so number one, focusing on product. Number two, I mean, then, kind of going through the ways that you can make yourself more valuable. It's really looking at the different functions of the company, right? So even moving to HR, do I have the right team in place? Do I have the right infrastructure that's highly valuable to scale this business? Because that's really what private equity is going to care about. And insert name here, it could be private equity, it could be family office. People with money wanna know one thing. I've got $1 and I wanna turn it into 10. Show me how that's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. That's it. So yes, show me a supply chain that is just wonderful. It's great speed to market. Show me supplier relationships that are, that are golden. Show me that you visit your suppliers, that you've got relationships, that you've got service level agreements with them that are locked tight. Show me those things. Show me that, sure, you know, freight forwarding is kind of you know, commoditized in my opinion a little bit, but like show me that you can get product you've got great demand planning. Like you are really, really good at knowing how to forecast and how to, how to bring in inventory and you're good at inventory planning. Show me great infrastructure. Um, yes, show me how when I take over your, your scale, your growth plan is gonna take this business from, from, from A to, to Z, <laughs> no pun intended, but you actually are going to show me, show me how this thing's going to scale. Show me your three-year product roadmap. 
Show me the IP that you've got locked and loaded for the next two to three years that's going to continue to help protect the brand. Show me your brand building exercises that have gotten you to this place and show me the things in terms of brand and brand building that I could also deploy once I purchase the company because I do. I want to put in a dollar. I need to turn it into $10. I need you to show me the path to do that. So a lot of like what you hear out there in terms of information is make sure you've got good numbers and it always is good trailing 12 numbers. And you know what? Thumbs up. Absolutely. You got to have that. However, <laughs> that doesn't help someone take a dollar and turn it into $10. What you have to show is full on opportunity and you have to have a very intelligent view of why this company is going to go from here to here. Mm -hmm. And you can't just write things like, hey, I haven't done Walmart yet. <laughs> so go do Walmart. Like you got to be really thoughtful and thorough and detailed about this business plan if things have not been executed on. If they've already been deployed, then it's a matter of showing how you can continue to expand that particular channel and make it so much better going forward, whether that's through, again, your product development whether that's through, hey, I've hired a retail consultant and I want you to meet this person. You're going to see what we've been thinking about and what our view is for wholesale and for retail. I want to introduce you to our international distributors and I want, I, you're, going to, you're going to hear from them why this business has so much more potential. You know where I'm going with all this. So to me, that's protection. All of what I said is protection. And then moving over to category, I mean, look, Rob, you know, capital loves, capital loves things with good CAGR, right? Um, annual growth rates, kind of compounded annual growth rate percentage. So when you can start to show like beauty is huge, beauty on Amazon is growing like a weed right now, by the way. So when you start to really look at stats of where, you know, kind of where these particular categories that have good CAGR, they're actually, they're growing through Amazon, but it's one sales channel. I just talked to a, a beauty owner yesterday, you know, 30% Amazon, 30% D2C and 30, 40% retail. Like that's a great mix. I'm thinking, golly, this is a, this is a great business. Like this is something somebody would really like to look at. Um, but beauty is growing uh, across the board, definitely on Amazon. I mean, look, pet, everybody loves pet. I will tell you, everybody loves baby products. The reason is because it's very hard to enter into that category because of regulations. Like apparel and baby is a little easier, um, not as many regs. Um, but when you're starting to talk about durable goods, like car seats and strollers and play yards and high chairs, whew, that's tough. <laughs> that's really yeah. tough. Yeah. You know, so when you crack the code and you've developed an incredible, um, you know, you've kind of developed an incredible community um, and, that, and, and baby products in particular have some of the most passion they have the most passionate community of moms um no question we're, we're actually working with a baby products company now um particularly in baby wearing and oh my gosh it is nuts <laughs> it's nuts yeah. so so anyways um so those categories i'd say beauty pet um uh beauty pet baby i'm trying to think if there's anything else apparel is just tough apparel is great margin it's just hard. Like I talked to a, a brand that I love. Um, I wear a lot of, I may or may not be wearing one of their clothing pieces at the moment. Um, I spoke to them and I mean, getting to profitability was really hard and it's, they've had to, they've had to go and get a lot of investors. They're direct to consumer only. 
they've done a little bit of retail, but it's been a, it's been a decade and they're still struggling to really get EBITDA positive. It's it's tough from a just a trend perspective. What's hot yesterday, not hot tomorrow type of thing. So um, supplements is not I mean, from a selling. Yeah, you've got your goalies and you've got your which, by the way, is not doing well. But that's a total aside. <laughs> but you've got like your bigger brands that are that are good. But as just like kind of a a whole supplement selling a supplements brand is is hard. It's harder to really find that. Person. So, yeah, hopefully that answered both of your questions. Kind of, hey, here's what protection looks like. And then as far as category goes, um, this is what's good. Yeah, definitely. Can you go over that that abbreviation you said again, Kager? Because my brain heard Kegger like beer, and that's not what it was. <laughs> so you say that one time? Oh, it's, it, don't worry, Lisa. I, I hear Kegger, and I think the same thing. So we're, we're on the same page. Um, it's compound annual growth rate. So it's a way that an industry, wow. basically you pinpoint or benchmark how an industry is doing in terms of their overall growth. So, you know, like for baby products in particular, that tends to be more of a zero-sum game new people come in, old other people come out and your birth rate's declining. So your kager is not going to be as heavy. Um, but on the pet side, you have more and more people not having babies, but you have more people owning dogs and cats mm -hmm. and spending a lot more on dogs and cats. And because of that, your kager is much stronger. It's much higher. Fitness is another place where kager has been decently strong. Um, but it's a it's an acronym, com compound annual growth rate. It's just a really good way to benchmark and show someone, hey, you're getting into an industry that's growing. Mm -hmm. And again, it just goes back to how do I tie back to the I got one dollar <laughs> and I needed to make ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, I love that analogy. No, that's true for sure. Yeah, uh, Chris, we're, we're going to sort of wrap up a little bit. But before we do. Uh, is there any last tip that maybe you could give to Amazon sellers that are looking to sell or they're thinking about selling? Uh, you gave a lot of great information. Yeah. I just don't want to leave it in a spot that you didn't give out all the information you wanted to. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's a good, gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I, 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 I kind of go back and I say this a lot, man. I, I, you know, do some, do some really good soul searching right now. You know, if, if you're okay, you know, accepting what I would consider, a three, three and a half multiple for your business as an all Amazon concentrated, you know, um, company, then great, go sell, go. And, you know, there are plenty of what, I, you know, either there are plenty of good business brokers out there that will, that will facilitate, um, helping you give that a really good college try, as I like to say, um, you know, go out there and, and give it a good try and see if you can get somebody to bite on it. Um, Again, just be willing to accept a, a multiple that looks nothing like you know what it was before. But if if you think of yourself a bit differently as an Amazon seller, then do some do some soul searching. You know, don't take peyote and do a vision questing, but maybe just do some soul searching <laughs> and just think twice about okay, if I really need to get from where I am today to where I need to go to really be a strategic asset, a valuable strategic asset. What are the elements? How long? you know, will it take to get there? What are the elements that I need to put in place in order to achieve that goal? And yeah, I want to sell to a, I want to sell to a corporate strategic. I want to sell to a private equity. I want, I want this to be a much bigger thing. Certainly Zesty Paws thought that when they first went into this um, and other brands that even were, you know, heavily Amazon focused, they, they were going into it to be highly strategic. And that's a much different mindset 
very different. It could be a whole series of podcasts on what that mindset is, but that would be my advice. Like if you're willing to accept a three, three and a half multiple, give it a good college try. If you want to be strategic, do some soul searching. Awesome. 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 Chris, it's very obvious that you know what you're talking about. Where can people get in touch with you, work with you? Tell us about GW Partners. Give us the plug. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, GW Partners, you know, look, we're, we're focused on the sale of the business. We're focused on a transaction, but we like to get involved as early as we can to really help you optimize each function of the business to then have a more valuable transaction, a more valuable trade. Um, you can go to our website. We're super modern, gw.partners. Um, you know, there's a contact form there. There's my email address is chris at gw.partners. We're super altruistic in the sense we just like to have good conversations. I think both of you know that about us by now. We're willing to talk. I mean, Rob, how how many times did you and I talk about your own business? And yep. like, we're not working together. And nope. we never. No, were lots of good advice. It was just like, yeah, you're just a good friend. So let me let me give you some really good advice and some good guardrails and et cetera. So we're super altruistic in that sense. Anybody who's listening, by all means, reach out. We're always happy to talk. And we went through a rebrand, but y'all also recently rebranded. So GW Partners, formerly Global Wired Advisors. So yes. that, that might be more familiar to the ear. And, and for audio listeners, no, your audio did not cut out. The website is just gw.partners. There is no doctor. That's right. Chris will not That's get your right. email. Get that clear. <laughs> Lisa, clear. I will not get your email. That is not you will clear. not get it. <laughs> Chris, sure. awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Rob, any like final questions before we sign off? No, I, I have to say, Chris, if you see Chris at a show, go up, ask him questions, talk to him. He's been amazing at, at giving some advice that I've been uh, kind of handing off to uh, somebody I know who's selling their business and been great at helping me out. And everything he just talked about is actually advice he's been giving and I've been passing on. And, it, and it's totally true. Now, whether you hear it and take action on it, that's two different things. Okay. You got to take action on what Chris talked about. Uh, if you're just zoomed into one, uh, you know, Amazon specifically, and you're not spread out over other areas, either direct or maybe Walmart or whatever, uh, you're limiting yourself. So if you're looking for that little tiny bit of higher multiple or maybe even a little bit higher multiple you got to do what what chris was saying uh definitely great advice and i always appreciate having chris on yeah i appreciate you guys genuinely awesome thanks chris appreciate you and we appreciate everybody listening and watching today if you guys liked what you heard in today's video please be sure to give us a thumbs up share your thoughts with us in the comments subscribe to the show and we will see you on the next one thanks for joining us this week on the sellernomics podcast Special thanks to our sponsor, Gatita. Did you know that Amazon probably owes you money for FBA reimbursements? Get $400 in free FBA reimbursements at gatita.com slash sellernomics. Be sure to join us again next week for more great tips on how to grow your business. And thanks again for listening.